0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very good morning, everybody. Welcome to this inauguration edition of Squawk Box. We are finally at the important day. Joe Biden will be sworn in. As the 46th president, we're just hours away from that. In a farewell message, President Trump says he did what he came to do. Asian markets ease from fresh records as Biden's Treasury Secretary nominee says the U.S. can eventually afford higher corporate taxes and repeats her call for fresh stimulus.
1: The most important thing, in my view, that we can do today to put us on a path of fiscal sustainability is to defeat the pandemic.
2: No chill for Netflix. The stock soars after hours on bumper subscriber growth, with the streaming giant saying it's considering share buybacks as it closes in on becoming free cash flow positive. Goldman Sachs posts a blowout fourth-quarter profit while Bank of America beats on the bottom line, but struggles in consumer banking.
3: Plus, Italy avoiding a government collapse as the Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte narrowly survives a confidence vote, but fails to win an absolute majority in the Senate.
0: So, very good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box on this uh, inauguration day 2021. Uh, let's show you some live pictures of the setup at the mile ahead of the swearing in of Joe Biden as the 46th president of the United States. Uh, obviously, we're going to spend a lot of time this morning talking about the changing of the guard in Washington and what ultimately that means for your investments, for different opportunities in the market and ultimately for those key sectors that we know Joe Biden and his team are already very focused on, namely like signing back up to the Paris Climate Change Agreement, um, moving to, I think, stimulate more activity in the greening of the economy. Ultimately, I thought Janet Yellen was very interesting yesterday. Not only did she poke the Chinese in the eye by making a whole load of comments about the state of market access and the fairness with which they're running their economy compared to other economies. But she also uh, talked a lot about the need for fresh stimulus at this point, which I thought was fascinating. The incoming Secretary of State also talking about the Uyghurs, perhaps laying down a very early gauntlet about how this administration intends to pick up where the Trump administration left off in their behaviour towards China. So I think as we watch the set piece play out today of the inauguration with all its ceremony and pomp, our audience, of course, has to keep in the back of their mind what immediate impact we're going to see very early on from Joe Biden's pen on on some of these key questions,
2: we are ushering a new era in today. And I went for a little bit of a walk down memory lane this morning, right back to 2017, and this is a day we were setting up for back then on inauguration day for for Trump. And you know what uh, jumped out to me? Uh, Janet Yellen was actually making headlines back then, of course, as uh, the, the former head of the Federal Reserve. She was talking about uh, gradual monetary adjustments were prudent. Very different language now. Is uh, the nominee for Treasury Secretary talking about the requirement for a uh, government to act big? So the onus very much. Much on government, but also for very strong measures to support the economy rather than a sort of a tweaking around monetary adjustments. So one of the other big points here too, I think, is how we saw this populism, this, um, I guess, dismay in some quarters of the United States, but also enthusiasm in other parts about a very different presidency that we we're embarking upon under President Trump. There were concerns that he would bring in instability and that would be negative for the markets. But over the course of time, while we had plenty of headlines, we had a lot of noise the markets were still resilient during that era what comes next i think many are hoping that we will see less divisiveness in, in the political sphere that uh, might be a calmer era but uh, i wonder what it spells for the markets given how far we've traveled on the back of this pandemic steve
3: yeah i mean it's just been lie after lie hasn't it let's be honest about it with the president finally giving the greatest lie that he's built the greatest economy in the history of the world That was in his 20 minute address yesterday. He has built the greatest economy in the history of the world. That is palpably not true. And even if we take out the devastating events of the last year of his presidency, he didn't create as many jobs uh, as Reagan. He didn't create as many jobs uh, as Clinton as well. He only just created more jobs uh, than Mr. Obama. And, of course, we know a lot of that job creation was lost in the last year. And I don't think we can point the finger of blame uh, at the president for that as well. But he promised to uh, build a wall. He hasn't built a wall. He's built a section of the wall with Mexico as well. Uh, He promised to bring the Chinese to their knees in terms of the trade relationship as well. Well, there has been some improvement upon that, but nowhere near what he promised in terms of having uh, zero deficit in terms of trading uh, with the Chinese. And I also remember a a promise actually in two terms to get rid of the national debt. Well, the national debt, as we all know, partly because of his policies, but partly, of course, also because of coronavirus. And again, one cannot say the president is to blame for a large amount of that as well. Uh, Nowhere near that in the first three years of his presidency as well. So despite the grandiose boasts, the fact of the matter is the Republicans have delivered some stuff, but nowhere delivered uh, anywhere near uh, as much as was promised. So where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us with twin crises at the start of the Biden presidency, the Biden administration as well. And without doubt, the most important thing is to get America inoculated so that it can move on and then start rebuilding the economy. And as we heard from Janet Yellen yesterday, at least one point nine trillion dollars in terms of stimulus is needed very aggressively for the U.S. economy. The mantra from the incoming Treasury secretary uh, seems to be we'll borrow now and we'll pay down later as well. Whether that works or not remains to be seen. In terms of the, um, uh, the,
0: the, the, the story of what we're going to see today, I think it's also, from my part anyway, a little disappointing that we're going to see another break from tradition here. And I know it wasn't necessarily comfortable viewing when uh, you think back to when Trump was inaugurated and you had that, it was almost cringeworthy, wasn't it? The way in which uh, President Obama and the First Lady then handed the baton on to Trump and Melania and you could see there was a huge amount of discomfort. But in a way, that In itself, marked the changing and the shift in emphasis away from the multipolar, the globalised, to the world of President Trump. Unfortunately, we're going to be robbed of that scene this time round because the President has decided he and the existing First Lady will not attend the inauguration. And we're not even going to see uh, Melania uh, take the new First Lady around the gardens of the White House, Mm, which I think is a crying shame. again all it does to my mind is just uh, it it just reiterates that idea of a rather churlish curmudgeonly small-minded approach to politics and I I hate to say that because I know there will be people in the audience who are Trump supporters and feel that everything he's done has been great but the mindset and the attitude and the behavior at times has just felt very small.
2: There was this this level of awkwardness, I think, from the moment uh, Melania and and Trump stepped out of the car in that gift-giving moment as well. But one of the other big uh, points that uh, dominated the news flow about the same time a year ago was the turnout for Inauguration Day. You may recall that there was a comparison in the press about very big turnout for President Barack Obama versus what uh, President Donald Trump had on Inauguration Day. And then uh, the media was accused of producing fake numbers and then we came to alternative facts and there was this tug of war and more words between the press and the administration from effectively day one. Uh, This time, obviously, very different as we talk about trying to minimise numbers in the capital, given security threats, but also social distancing with the pandemic. So very different optics for this inauguration day, Steve.
3: Yeah, I was just going to actually expand upon that point and Jeff's point as well. So on that point as well, let me be a little bit Can I be a bit tough on that point as well? It was lies from days one, wasn't it? We had Sean Spicer came out and defending the numbers, saying they were absolutely enormous. And of course, the president from day one showed how jealous he was of Obama's numbers as well. In fact, apparently the reports he's very jealous about the number of stars who are turning out today uh, to uh, make themselves known and heard at the uh, inauguration of Joe Biden as well. But from day one, didn't we? We had Kellyanne Conway saying, well, there are alternative facts, alternative facts facts. And and that was where we started off on that last presidency or the presidency that ends today as well. Uh, And just for Jeff, I know he likes tradition and history. It wasn't always the case. And I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago as well. I think there's been four at least, Jeff, who have skipped the inauguration. The last one was a very churlish uh, Andrew Johnson in 1869, who basically didn't turn up for Ulysses S. Grant's Um, inauguration. Of course, Ulysses S. Grant, the great hero of the Union, the general, uh, who was uh, largely responsible for a lot of the victories that the Union had uh, over the Confederacy in the Civil War as well. So Andrew Johnson very cheerlessly decided not to turn up in 1869. Others, including uh, John Adams and John Quincy Adams as well, also failed to turn up as well. So 19th century politics had a lot of these fits and peaks, Jeff. 1869,
0: you're a lot older than you look, Steve, I have to say. Uh, We've got to move on. We'll come back to this conversation, no doubt. And there will be those who want to get in touch via Twitter or the other social platforms with us. Uh, we welcome your correspondence this morning on this inauguration squawk box. Karen, we need to talk a little bit about Netflix.
2: Yeah, it's funny, there, there may be a segue, right? Four years of tumultuous presidency. Perhaps it's uh, for the content in the making for Netflix. or One of the other major streaming services out there are desperately now in need of fresh content on the back of this pandemic. Well, we have seen a very strong reaction in. Netflix shares in the after-hours trade surging over 12%. This is the streaming giant set of plans to be cash flow positive from 2022. The company added it will also consider share buybacks, which it hasn't done since 2011. All this comes as the maker of the crowned beat revenue forecast in the fourth quarter, but missed earnings estimates. Netflix added over 8 million new customers in the period, allowing it to surpass 200 million paid subscribers for the first time. Let's get into the detail on Netflix. Samantha Lyons joins us. Investment manager, disruptive growth and technology at GAM. Thank you very much for joining us today. I want to get into the 200 million subscribers. Apparently, Netflix, according to reports, sent employees a bottle of champagne and confetti to celebrate surpassing that key milestone. What does this number now mean for Netflix? given it's come at the same time when competition has certainly been very thick on the ground with other streamers launching services? Well,
4: it, in, in terms of the the subscriber
2: number, it, it shows the, the leverage
4: in the model. So it gives Netflix that much greater power compared to all of these competitors that are trying to enter the market. And we can see that quite clearly this quarter with um, the comments you just made regarding free cash flow. You now get this uh, huge amount of revenue coming through and although the content costs are increasing um, as they provide content to, to um, satisfy those new subscribers, you're getting leverage. So the amount of content cost you need to spend per new subscriber is reducing, and you're seeing that that leverage come through in the model, and that directly comes through as sort of free cash flow. So that gives them a huge advantage compared to the competitors. And if we look at sort of the competitive environment as well, I would say that. Although we are seeing a huge amount of competition come come into the market, um, they're all sort of a, a number two playing field. They're the, the bolt-ons rather than the instead-ofs. So you're not seeing someone say, you know what, I'm going to cancel my next Netflix subscription and become a Disney Plus subscriber instead. You're saying, actually, you know, I've got my Netflix, but maybe I want to add on some additional content with HBO Max or Disney Plus or Peacock. Um so Netflix is still quite a, quite a way ahead of all of those competitors.
2: Amanda, uh, 12 months ago, we were talking about subscription fatigue, whether uh, users would uh, start to turn off from some of these services. But then, of course, uh, we've been living through a pandemic when this has been one of the only forms of entertainment in the home. So from we, when we look at uh, what Netflix has been able to do, it feels as though it's been a fast-forward moment on growth, to achieving the numbers it wanted to achieve, but also price hikes that we didn't think it would be able to execute uh, $1 higher on its uh, most popular subscription service. What does it say to us about pricing power for Netflix? At this point?
4: Well, they they think about pricing power in terms of engagement. And I thought it was quite interesting on the call last night. They uh, mentioned that they, although they, in terms of the number of households they've penetrated in the US, is quite high, in terms of the percentage of um, viewing hours they have, it's still only around 10%. So there's a huge amount of room for growth there. And they see pricing price hikes directly linked to uh, engagement so the more engagement they see from their subscribers the easier it is for them to put forward a price hike and it feels like they're very measured in their approach for that they haven't put through a huge number of price hikes I think it's been sort of 10% in total um, uh, over the past few years which if you think of the amount of additional content that you're getting as a Netflix subscriber that's, that's a pretty good deal and certainly if you compare that to a a trip for even just a couple, let alone a family, to the cinema um, once a month, it's, uh, it's a bargain.
3: It may well be a bargain, Amanda, but but I mean, how much of this demand that they were going to grow over the next couple of years has happened and been brought forward because of a, a historic, perhaps, and we hope a once in a century event as well with the pandemic? I can't help thinking that a lot of people who were thinking about Netflix over the coming quarters and year will have done it, of course, for all those reasons that you and Karen uh, have, have have graphically mentioned as well. So I'm just wondering, because of this extraordinary structural event, are we trying to extrapolate too much about cyclical power? Uh, Patterns going forward?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely been some pull forward. And if you look at the subscriber numbers that they had for 2020 versus historically, we're, we're sort of 9 million um, subscribers above the, the previous best year, which was 2018. I, I think it would be uh, wrong to extrapolate 2020 going forward and expect them to have that level of new subs Um, in the forthcoming years. And probably there has been some pull forward from 2021 into 2020. So I would expect the overall subs, not that they gave any guidance on that for the full year, to be um, uh, maybe slightly lower than you would have seen in in 2019. But there's still um, a huge amount of uh, opportunity ahead, particularly outside of the U.S. Um, and you 're seeing them even within the u s you still saw them grow subscriber numbers um so there's there's a lot of opportunity there which really comes back down to the to the content and their ability to have really good programming um on on the the channel of which they they are sort of leaps and bounds ahead of anybody else i mean they mentioned last night they have five hundred um programs in post-production that's just in a multitude higher, higher than anybody else i mean the product lineup for 2021 20, is to release a new movie every week if you compare that to say hbo max in the u.s they're doing 17 um, releases over the whole year it's just it's just not really comparable and good content and as they call it good stories in um brings in new new customers or new subscribers
0: Amanda, no fairy tale for Bob Iger over at Disney. He's taken a huge pay cut uh, over the last 12 months, 56% reduction in pay, still a healthy chunk of money to take away from the business. But a lot of other Disney executives as well will not get their bonuses now. To what extent do you think we see a redoubling of the effort by Disney, by Viacom, by um, HBO, by Comcast and all the others to take away the cheese from Netflix at this point here? Because they all see the prize. They all see the opportunity. How does uh, Netflix square up against renewed competition this year?
4: yeah I, I expect the competitive environment to to heighten and certainly for them to double down on, on um, investments in this space. but um, if you sort of look at the history of Netflix in in how they've got to where they are today, as we know, it, it involves spending a lot of cash, and all of those competitors are in that cash spend phase rather than the positive free cash flow era that Netflix is only now really just achieving um, Disney is obviously a little bit on the back foot although they've had incredible subscriber numbers in 2020 with almost sort of 90 million in their in their first year it's at a much lower price point compared to Netflix so they don't get that that level of revenue that you can then put forward into content in the same way that Netflix does and if you think about the the Disney content at the moment you know it's incredibly um, powerful and strong content and um, history and sort of catalog that they have but it's very different from the catalog that you have on Netflix. I mean Disney Plus is great for my daughter that wants to watch Tangled on repeat but as an adult that's not something that I necessarily want to do and although Disney does have some great content for adults it doesn't have enough of it and it has to do a huge amount of investment to get there. Now, they're still going to do that, but they're a long way behind Netflix to be able to be competing for that number 1 spot. I think it's going to be much more Disney competing for that number 2 spot against these other competitors that are also looking at Netflix and see, actually this is worth this is a space worth entering.
3: Amanda, thank you. Thank you very much. you got me thinking about films and TVs. The best thing I'm watching at the moment is uh, on Amazon. It's uh, One Night in Miami, which I thoroughly recommend to all our viewers as well. Uh, Amanda, thank you very much indeed for that. Amanda Lyons, who is Investment Manager, Disruptive Growth and Technology over at GAM. So let us move on and talk about the banking sector because shares in Goldman Sachs and Bank of America... On Tuesday's session closed in the red, that's despite posting a better than expected fourth quarter earnings. Goldman saw quarterly profits more than double, uh, driven by strong performances in investment banking and asset management divisions. Meanwhile, Bank of America posted a more modest profit growth, and clearly that's because it's more consumer-facing than uh, its erstwhile colleague, but joined JP Morgan and Wells Fargo in releasing a portion of its loan reserves, saying it also sees signs of recovery in in the US economy. Morgan Stanley, BNY Mellon set to report their numbers later today. We need to go into some more depth in the banking sector. So what we'll do is we'll get up Optimus CEO Octavio Marenzi. We'll do that at 8.30 Central European Time. Jeff.
0: Uh, Steve, thanks very much indeed for that. Um, Italy's government will fight another day after narrowly winning a confidence vote, yet heated debates show the path forward is all but stable. We'll tell you more about the latest twists in the Italian story in just a moment.
2: President-elect Joe Biden's pick for Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has told the Senate Finance Committee the U.S. can afford to raise the corporate tax rate. The former Fed chair told lawmakers the incoming administration will work with other OECD nations to try and stop the quote, destructive global race to the bottom in tax policy. However, Yellen stressed any significant policy will only happen once the United States has overcome the pandemic.
1: More must be done. Economists don't always agree But I think there is a consensus now. Without further action, we risk a longer, more painful recession now and longer-term scarring of the economy later. The most important thing, in my view, that we can do today to put us on a path of fiscal sustainability is to defeat the pandemic
2: well, with large-scale stimulus back on the agenda, As Janet Yellen there took the stage. You could see a very positive backdrop for stocks uh, and uh, the session that uh, took place yesterday showed technology stocks again out in front a 1.5% bounce, 8 tenths on the S&P and the Dow rallying about a third of a percent. Uh, bank report cards also another feature of the session uh, that investors responded to and tech earnings. We were just mentioning Netflix in the after-hours session but very positive uh, drivers for the markets. So yesterday after what was a fairly weak trading week last week as the markets closed up shop for the long weekend. The opening calls in Europe, we've had a couple of uh, fairly muted sessions here in Europe. A soggy old day played out across the board yesterday, about 0.1% down for the FTSE. uh, A little bit more off uh, the French market, off about a third of a percent and a quarter down for the DAX. You can see we're a little bit choppy across the board this morning, struggling for direction on Inauguration Day in the United States. And uh, when it comes to uh, the big uh, headline act, we're watching uh, Joe Biden and uh, the uh, ceremonies that take place in the States. So U.S. futures uh, in that context as we waited out for the politics to take a a dominant position today. You can see also choppy action. uh, The Dow indicated lower fractionally and uh, tilting positive for the Nasdaq and the S&P at this stage. Steve.
3: Thanks very much indeed. Yeah. So it's uh, pretty chaotic scenes over in Italy. The Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte uh, narrowly won a confidence vote in the Senate on Tuesday, allowing his coalition to remain in power. Uh, but with a minority government. Now, Conte uh, squashed talk of his resignation, taking to Twitter. Uh, Yes, some uh, leaders of countries are still allowed on Twitter uh, to insist the country has no time to lose in battling its health and economic crises. Well, the former prime minister, Matteo Renzi's Italia Viva, Uh, The junior party, whose withdrawal triggered the crisis, abstained from the vote, leaving the possibility of rejoining the coalition should certain demands be met. However, harsh tones amid pre-vote deliberations show the relationship with the government has soured somewhat. When you chose the path of dialogue for your political initiatives, you always found the coalition ready to back you up. I've defended your reasons to many other differing political powers. You'll never find closed doors in this government. However, at a certain point, you chose a different path which was not one of loyal collaboration. Let's say it in front of the country. You chose a path of aggression and media attacks. You began speaking outside, not inside. Once you've chosen this path, we'll respect it. But allow us to say that maybe it's not the right choice in the interest of Italy. So uh, Claudia Pinsotti joins us now from class. Claudia, I was listening to your hit on Capital Connection and I thought you summed it up quite beautifully in your first answer when you were asked by Matt, the anchor, is this the end of the chaos? And you said, well, almost dismissively, but not to particularly, no, this chaos continues. This is how it works in Italy almost.
1: Yeah, it is more like the beginning of chaos because this majority is so very slim, but it's going to make it much harder for Conte Uh, to uh, continue governing in uh, this uh, sort of situation. So it'll be interesting to see how this evolves in the next days, in the next weeks. Uh, The words that we just heard from Conte, again, uh, you know, publicly and officially uh, making comments towards Italia Viva, uh, which is Renzi's party, uh, you know, do, do nothing but make it harder for this majority to bring back in that party and uh, those uh, representatives of Parliament for uh, future issues that will be debated in Parliament. So it'll be interesting to see whether um, Mattarella takes a role in this, you know, whether Conte goes to Mattarella, who's the president. Uh, he doesn't have to do that, but he often speaks with him. That's the way things have been working in the last month. So if he does, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if uh, any requests are made, uh, by Mattarella for Conte to get a stronger majority in order to go forward, or whether this will be a uh, coalition that falls, and you know then we need to go to elections. But again, it's too early to tell. Uh, clearly, what is uh, you know of vital importance is the recovery fund. That's you know what the crisis began with officially. Uh, you know how this money is going to be spent. That is what the government will now continue to concentrate on. Everyone yesterday, of course, took uh, you know an opportunity to speak their mind including Salvini who criticized this uh, coalition you'll remember that Salvini's party Lega was part of the last coalition with Cinque Stelle then the PD now uh, took its place that's another odd couple so this government lately has been uh, made up of uh, you know odd uh, coalitions uh, so anything really is possible still it's too early to tell what we do know is some numbers you know 10,500 new cases of covid 630 deaths yesterday you know, increasing our total to 82,000. That's the second worst uh, number in Europe. So uh, clearly we have a big uh, economic crisis that we need to face. uh, And, uh, you know, the Italians are sort of fed up with this political uh, squabbling uh, that uh, yesterday also was concluded with Renzi speaking in parliament. And he made his comments. This is what he had to say.
0: I have not lost anything. Italia Viva has not lost anything. It is Italy that is losing. The worst thing of all, an opportunity, a huge opportunity, bigger than the Marshall Plan. Political roles come and go. You win them and you lose them. Opportunities never come back. That is why I say now. This is why, Mr President, I ask you to make a large investment in our future. That is why I asked you, more in the past than now, to take a step forward.
1: So we just heard the man who launched this whole uh, government into this crisis, 2.6 percent of, you know, this is what that that Italia Viva party represents. They were able to throw uh, this government into complete chaos. Uh, We'll see whether he and the the coalition can uh, work together in the next days. We'll hear more.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box
3: Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to CNBC.com.